you don't need to eat animals. These horrors do exist and I want to help stop them. So if we want to see a more compassionate, more conscious, more responsible world, then we have to reflect that. Hello, hello, and welcome, Nancy Posnack. It is so wonderful to see you uh, on Facebook Live. And for those that are listening on the podcast, Journey Through Health and Wellness, welcome, welcome. I am going to introduce you. Nancy Posnack is a health educator and the founder of Botanic Cuisine with one C, plant-sourced dining outreach. She has a master's degree in health science with a focus on community health education. Her background includes professional certification as a personal trainer, group fitness instructor, and health coach. Prior to studying health science, Nancy worked as a graphic designer and was an art director for Muscle and Fitness magazine. She founded Botanic Cuisine to help increase plant-based vegan food options in restaurants, and she organized Baltimore's first vegan burger smackdown in 2019. We're going to have to ask you about that. And she founded Plant Powered Meat Month, a promotion featuring restaurants and professional chefs. She also hosts vegan dining and social interactive events and the monthly virtual meetup series, Plant Powered, an Extraordinary Life. Nancy has also created and given presentations titled Many Reasons Vegan and Nutrition and Brain Function. Wow, what an incredible background. Nancy, I just want to dive right in with your permission. That last phrase in your bio really catches my attention because I am a neurodevelopmental holistic eye doctor and I've I've specialized for my whole career in natural eyesight improvement right. and working on pe with people on the ADD to autism spectrum and post-traumatic brain injury. So what the heck does nutrition have to do with brain function and more specifically a plant-based vegan lifestyle? Is that a fair question? That's an excellent question. And First, I have to say, I, I'm not an expert on this subject, but I do draw from experts like you. I would draw from you. And basically, as you know, eyesight is a brain function. And you know how important nutrition is for that. So literally everything we put into our body affects our brain. And one of the most important aspects of brain health is our gut. That's where the food first goes. And with the healthier gut, we actually also have a healthier brain as well. And there are certain nutrients though that are in this presentation. And honestly, I couldn't really rattle them off now without the information right in front of me, but we know things like vitamin A are important. But as we know, nutrition, while it's important to be aware of all the nutrients, nutrition itself isn't you know, like compartmentalizing one certain vitamin and another thing because they all interact you know, things like um, vitamin D helps with calcium absorption and, and all that. So brain function is essential. And I also like to go into delving how there are certain things in, you know, animal sourced foods that can harm our brain as well. And so those, that's just as important to know. But with the, with the presentation that I put together for nutrition and brain function also goes just through some basic nutrition education because it's so sorely lacking 
And the education that people have now are things like protein as a food group or carbohydrate as a food group. And you hear people talk about going on a diet that's like low carb. And when you start asking them, what do you mean by that? It's basically things that are made from grains, like muffins and flour or, you know, protein, but those things are nutrients. So it's really important to get everybody on the same page with what, you know, nutrition is, macronutrients, micronutrients, phytonutrients, antioxidants, and all of those things that all work together to have a healthy brain and a healthy body, because as we know, it's all connected. And it's especially important as people age, because that's when we do see cognitive decline. I love how you rattled all of that off, even though you say you're not an expert, because sometimes those of us that are perceived as experts get all caught up in technical language, and we don't know how to speak in plain English. So my dear husband, who's a lawyer, has prided himself in his career on speaking English, and I've tried to pick up some of that. So I really appreciate the way that you just spoke about nutrition and brain function. Tell us, tell us something about how you wound up stepping into, uh, you know, into veganism. What, what motivated you? I, it's a story that I love to tell. It started when I was a teenager. I got into, and I was born in 1955. So I'm an old lady now. (laughs) And I started when I was in my early teen years, and I, I started to kind of have like a spirituality quest and I did meditation and there wasn't much to read back then. We didn't have the internet. So there was diet for a small planet and a few other things like that, that came out. And I went vegetarian because I believed I had read that that was better spiritually. And it just made sense. Okay. You know, you're being nicer to animals. That's so okay. And especially when you realize that you don't need to eat animals, then in my opinion, it really brings the ethics front and center. Because until people can be convinced that they don't need to, they're not gonna change. If they believe they really need to eat animals, it doesn't matter what we say. So the first thing we have to really be convinced and understand from the science, and there's tons of it, that you can be okay. So I went uh, vegetarian and I did that about seven years. And then I went back as I got older in my early twenties, I kind of got pulled back into wanting to be more of, I guess, part of the mainstream status quo. And it's a natural thing to to do. And so I started eating animal products again, except for red meat. And then many decades went by and I always held a very special place in my heart for vegetarian food. I really didn't know why, but it was still kind of like my favorite food. And then in 2014, I was taking part in a uh, online protest against a pig rustle. I'd never heard of these things before. And I saw this and I was absolutely horrified what they do to these poor defenseless, they're farmed animals, pigs, and then they slaughter them the next day. And this was being done. It's like a rodeo for pigs. And it was being done at a church. And I went, oh, I was just horrified. And in that, in that conversation, there were some links to some undercover videos of animal agriculture. And that's what really threw me. That's what turned me completely around, upside down, inside out. I was just like devastated. It took me about a week to, I feel like, just surface and start, you know, taking hold of and grasping. And I did tons of research. And that was when I started putting together my first website called harpforanimals.com, which I mentioned before. And so that was really got me started. But I really 
it wasn't, it, it was first about the animals and foremost, that really makes it a moral baseline for me, but also the other things that are important to us, like our health, like the environment and food security. And I didn't know that millions of wild animals were killed every year to make way for animal agriculture. And I knew that the environment was in trouble, but it didn't know how bad. And actually learning about how devastating animal agriculture is to the environment, there's a lot of people that are actually going plant-based, you know, vegan for the environment. So people come to this kind of a thing in terms of food in many different ways. But once you get there, then you get, get more educated and you start to embrace all the other reasons that are, that are important and, and should be. Excellent, excellent points. Tell us a little bit more about HARP for animals because we did oh. discuss it, but that was before we were, were on air and, and, and it was the first I had heard of it and it sounds fascinating. It's a very comprehensive website. I spent probably a few hundred hours on it. And in those, the earlier days in 2014, I had to go to so many different sources to find out information. And I wanted to go not just to the vegan sites, but to other sites as well, like university sites. I went to industry sites and I just dug around and found about all these amazing people. I remember finding video of a person by the name of Philip Woolen. And he had this very famous debate, debate he took part in in Melbourne, Australia. I think it might've been the year before, should animals be off the menu? And there was a panel of three that said no. And then he was on the panel that said yes. And the, the video was so powerful. And so I started coming across all these different people from so many different walks of life and people that were, you know, I had a lot of respect for and they were brilliant. So really, I just, it was, and it still continues to be a, a journey of learning. And so I put this website together so all of it could be in one place because it really wasn't back then. And then it was also kind of documenting my journey. And I, and it's, I use it as a resource now because I do a lot of online you know, communication and conversations. I'm on Facebook probably a lot more than I should be. So I often will, will dig up pages from there as well. But it covers all the issues. And then there's a section at the very end of the animal industries. And I'm very careful about when and how to expose people to these horrors, because something that Dr. Melanie Joy points out that when you just sometimes shove the horrors in somebody's face, they actually feel that you're the perpetrator because you're showing them these awful things and they don't really know why. <laughs> they don't, like, why are you showing me animals being tortured? And that, and people have a natural aversion to that horror. So I feel that the things now, very strong, but it needs to be framed. And that first people have to know that it's healthy and they have to know that there is benefit to them for this. And then I feel that when people are ready to let go of using animals in that way, then they're much more open and receptive to really saying, okay, these horrors do exist and I wanna help stop them. I, I needed to hear what you just said. Really? Because uh, <laughs> I find that that's the case in many places in life, right? Not just when we're shifting our diet or our awareness, but right. it's, it's the case in so many different areas. When we, have a certain sensibility when we embody a certain way of being, we can appear so much in somebody's face that they, they step back and they right. resist and they put up a wall exactly. instead of embracing the sensibilities. And right. so 
that is an incredible lesson to be absorbing. I'd like to do an illustration with my hands for you. Okay? Go for it. So we approach people like this. Like here's a nice innocent person to go boom, you know, got to go vegan and all these horrible things. I don't mean you're a murderer, you know, all, all the things. What's going to happen when you approach somebody? They're going to clam up, maybe fight back, maybe pull away, and then you've lost them. But when you approach somebody with an openness and with respect and find common ground, right? And then you can help pull them along. It's more complicated because you're establishing relationships, you're building trust. And it's so important to have that respect for people too, which I think there are some vegans that have a hard time doing that. You know, they, they're so angry and it, the anger is certainly understandable. And I felt that same way. And it took me a few years to get to this point because originally I was kind of one of these boom, you know, I just was just so outraged at all that I was seeing, you know, and, and learning about. And I thought people need to know this. And I would tell them and they were just, you know, I was I was bouncing them away. And now my approach is so much different that I find common ground. I help educate and mostly, you know, like that that saying by. Uh, it's been attributed to Mahatma Gandhi, be the change you want to see. So we want to see a more compassionate, more conscious, more responsible world, then we have to reflect that. Because how we see others, we, that's what we pull out of them. If we look at someone and we say, okay, I believe that you're kind and I believe that you're conscious and let's you know work together to make this world a better place, then you're in a dialogue with them. But if you're approaching them and you're terrible and you're the problem and, you know, you, you just lose them in, in, you know, building bridges instead of barriers. It's so important to do that. And I actually spend a lot of time online in like vegan groups and conversations to try to help people understand that. And I want to refer again to the work of Melanie Joy, who she is a psychologist. She has a background and doctorate in psychology, and she really knows how to, how to do that, how to connect with people. And she has a, uh, a virtual educational series. She's got a lot of great videos. So I'm going to give a plug for her as well i'm i'm in awe of your your physical demonstration um and i'm smiling widely because i just did an interview a moment ago and i was talking about my activist nature used to be like this and i literally did this and so for those of you that are listening to the podcast journey through health and wellness and you don't see us gesticulating here uh, we're pounding our fists and then we're interlacing our fists very gently. This is a new, a new piece that uh, Nancy Posnack has introduced us to, that the gentle approach, the meeting people where they are, yeah, yeah. is so very... Gentle doesn't necessarily mean compromising. You don't have to compromise the message at all. It takes a little more work and a little more thought. But you can still have the same strong message, but how it's framed makes a big difference in whether you're building a bridge or whether you're, you know, building a barrier. And it really works very well. So what are you doing right now that you're most excited about? I know that you are one of the authors of the 50 in the newly soon to be released book called Vegan Voices. Yes. that is edited by the wondrous Joanne Kong. Yes. What did you write about in that book? What did you share? Well, the title of my essay is Awakening to Compassion Across the Decades. And I started to talk about that earlier, how I was vegetarian when I was younger and I was interested in spirituality. And then so many decades went by and then I came across things about going vegan. 
So um, it really has been literally like a journey of my life. And looking back and understanding, you know, why I went vegetarian and even why I went back to eating animals, because a lot of people do that. A lot of people that have gone vegan over the past 10 or so years go back to, you know, eating animals. And I, I, and I understand that. And it's so important to understand that because it's like, I liken it to wanting to, let's say, overcome cancer or cure, be cured from cancer. You have to study it to understand why it's there and how it forms, right? You can't just go like shooting bullets in any direction or, or just, you know, you, you have to have a strategy. You have to know who your, for lack of a better word, enemy is, what makes them tick, what motivates them, and then how to reach them, right? So that's the same thing. Like, why do people keep these behaviors, even though it's normalized violence, even though now there's so much science behind it? And so it takes some time, and, I, and I've understood a lot more than I used to about that. So my, my history has helped me to do that, because I was one of those, you know, the recidivism. So I grew up, I was born in 1955, no internet, magazines, radio, and books, and that was it. And I lived in a very nice kind of typical suburban family and no cell phones either. Can you imagine life without a cell phone? I don't know what we used to do. And I really never questioned, you know, about the FUBI because we just trusted that we just trust in these institutions that then we learned we really can't always trust in them. And then I started questioning like pretty much everything, you know, and when I was growing up, in the early 70s, that's when Woodstock happened. Most people probably don't even know what that is, but it was in 1969, it was like the culmination of the 60s of the hippies, anti-establishment, and you know, people really wanting to live by by better standards. So I I remember listening to the music of those times and how everybody was singing about peace. You know, people want peace. And I thought, well, if everybody wants peace, why don't they have it? <laughs> And, uh, and then I, as, I, as I got older, I kind of understand why. So then my own personal quest for peace, when I was about 16, 1971, I started doing meditation. And that um, introduced me to some other books and topics. There's one book by Ram Dass called Be Here Now. And I remember reading that book and buying copies from my friends. And it was so powerful. And then at that time, to me, that's when you start questioning, that's when you really start to awaken. And it can be a very difficult thing to awaken to a society where you finally see that there's so much normalized violence and it's all around you and people are participating in it. And it's easy to feel overwhelmed and you know, helpless. So that leads me back to my positive advocacy. Now my upfront message is, is very positive because I feel that I want to help lift people up. I don't want to like taking my fist and banging into my other fist. That's the illustration I was doing before, you know, take like a fist is me and the other fist is a person I'm, you know, banging away at thinking I'm going to make you change. And you really, you can't, we can't even force ourselves to change sometimes, you know? So that was it. And then I went through so many years where I just, I was doing meditation and I still do. And it's made a huge difference in my life, but this, you know, particular way of, of embracing the tenets of veganism, to me, that's like the ultimate in human ethics. 
because it encompasses everything. And I know that veganism is a lot more than food. It's really not a, a diet. It's expressed in dietary terms, but it's really a way of just trying to live as compassionately as we can, still in a very imperfect world. Did you meditate prior to being vegan? Yes, I started when I was 16. Okay, so you had mentioned that earlier. Did, did, did your meditation ability or style of meditation shift after you became vegan? No, no, it's the same one that I've been doing. Yeah, and that was in 1972. And I was vegetarian then, I was still vegetarian. I had become vegetarian just before that. And so, no, it's the same, the same one. You- I, I, well, I can tell you, I follow um, a practice taught by someone by the name of Prem Rawat, R-A-W-A-T. And uh, it's been a great experience. It's been very um, uplifting and very, you know, just whittling away at the things we're not and then being able to really experience who we really are. And I feel that at the core of every human is love and peace and the things that we so dearly strive for. But the thing it has helped me as a vegan who was you know, outraged and angry for quite a while was I realized that you can't live like that. And when we let ourselves get consumed by that or motivated mostly by that, it's like we let the violence win we let that violence tell us who we are. That's not who we are. And it's so important that we don't, you know, that we don't let this violence take over our lives. Because I'm thinking, you know, are we just these blank pieces of paper? You can just write on it, whatever you want, or, or do we have inherent qualities just by virtue of being human and alive? And we do. And so, you know, my commitment in my life is to want to be a loving person, to be a more kind person. And that's, that's a lifelong journey. I'm not always like that. You know, I'm sorry to say, I wish I was 24 seven, but <laughs> you know, sometimes things get under the radar and I re- react. But one thing I have found that it's really hard to sit in, to meditate or to practice when you have all this, you know, anger and emotion flying around, you kind of have to get some psychological distance from that and say, okay, this is not me. These awful things that are happening, I, I, I'm not creating the violence and I'm not going to fuel it anymore. And I also see that a lot with the infighting among vegans. I've had people really angry at me because I don't have an upfront, you know, animal rights right off the bat. I'm talking about food. I create, inv- I want to have events that are upbeat and positive. And I guess there are some people that think that it's wrong. <laughs> only a few though, really only a few. So my whole approach has been from a very different perspective. And I feel that I don't want to bring any more hatred and anger into this world. There's already enough, isn't there? There's already enough fighting. Absolutely. So my commitment, you know, in terms of even being a vegan is to want to help bring more love and understanding. Hence, I'm having my, for people that are listening to the podcast, my hands are open, my fingers are touching each other and overlapping a little bit and finding that common ground with people. And then you can work with them from there and then help pull them along from moving my hands rather than, you know, punching them in the face right away and going, listen to me. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to listen to that. And who's going to want to join a bunch of angry people? <laughs> you know? I, I completely agree with you. And over the years and my meditation practice, that unfolding 
becomes more and more apparent. And I also agree with you that I'm not always this kind of harmonious, right. balanced soul because we are human and right. that by definition, we have a multitude of sides to our beingness. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of the understanding, but the meditation, you know, if you can do it a couple of times a day can bring you back into more balance right. um, with yourself. Welcome to whoever else, whoever just jumped on the Facebook live. If you have any questions for Nancy or for me, let us know here live on Facebook on Vegan Spirituality Southwest PA. And this is on behalf of the Journey Through Health and Wellness podcast, which appears, um, and this interview will appear in, in about a month or so. Thanks for throwing up that, that heart. Um, it will appear on anchor.fm. If you type in Journey Through Health and Wellness, it will also appear on Spotify. It will appear on the reimagine tickwack.org is the acronym. And that stands for the Turtle Creek Watershed and Airshed Communities Plus. Oh. And our mission is to, this is my self-defined mission. This is not what it might say in these words on the Facebook page, but to cross-pollinate those that are vegan, vegan-leaning, whole food, plant-based eaters, even if you're a junk food vegan, um, <laughs> if you're a raw living foodist, if you are a carnivore and moving in towards the idea of eating one more vegetable at dinner time, and environmentalists and those that are, who are on the spiritual path. And I'm finding the lighting very interesting right now. So if you're watching live, you can see some spiritual, a little bit of a spiritual light show going on here. <laughs> um, yeah, so thank you so much, Nancy, for being here. And is there is there anything else you want to let us know? We have met literally through and because of the publication of Vegan Voices. Right. And um, you had shared with us a little bit earlier what you uh, spoke about, your background and your moving in and through veganism. Right. And some background about that. But is there anything else you'd like to let us know about your work in botanic cuisine or yeah. Baltimore's first vegan burger smackdown or right. the plant powered meat month yeah. um, as we you know spend another few minutes here i think that it's really important that people first know that going vegan is something wonderful and there's something they're going to enjoy especially with food and because food for people who can make choices not everybody can but for those of us that have the great fortune of making a choice, it's really pleasure and social connection that dominate our food choices. Nutrition is there, but it's kind of in the background, but it's definitely there. While you know, kindness to animals and animal rights is obviously of great importance. It's the next great social justice issue. Right now, for the vast majority of mainstream people, that is not motivating them to make the change because of the of what food means to us and the, the deeply rooted cultural connections and social connections we have with food and pleasure. And so it's really important that we people do associate eating vegan food with pleasure and joy and 
and it's delicious and it's abundant and it's colorful and it's healthy. And, and once that that's established, because when we try to change people with the, you know, the negative approach with showing them the horrors, a few people will change and a few people have. They've seen um, like earthlings or they've seen dominion and then they go vegan, you know. But generally most people, the mainstream people that we really need to approach now won't even watch those things. And when they do see the horrors, they just say, oh, that's just, you know, vegan propaganda or they don't really believe it and they just move on. And it, it, it's like trying to pull the rug out from somebody. And they've been standing in this spot their whole lives. They're deeply rooted there. When you try to yank the rug out, they're going to fight back. But if we can show them, well, there's this other place you can stand that's even better and it's wonderful and the vegan food and, and that, you know, it's something that you can really enjoy and, and the social connections that you can have. It's, it's that it, it's normal, you know, just normalizing it. I, I really see that it makes it so much easier for people to make that change because I believe we need to make it as easy as possible, provide as many opportunities you can to introduce people to vegan food, to help educate people, to show them this is really a wonderful thing. And, you know, then having all the information there is important too. But that's my final message and I'm sticking to it. Thank you again and again for being here. And if you're just jumping on live or if you're watching on the replay of Vegan Spirituality Southwest PA on Facebook, please let us know if you have any questions. We'll stop back in here in a few days in the Facebook page and answer the questions. And know that this podcast, the edited version, will be on the anchor.fm, on Spotify, on Instagram, on TikTok. It will be under Reimagine TICWAC, which is the acronym for the Turtle Creek Watershed and Airshed Communities Plus. And know that we are a local initiative in Southwestern PA. However, we are reaching worldwide. And if you are interested in being interviewed or you would like to become an interviewer for our podcast, we welcome you. Please share this information far and wide. And if you are not yet vegan, you are simply vegan leaning because you ate one more vegetable at dinner tonight. Yay. We love you. We embrace you and know that you are changing the world. So take a look at the Lantern Books website and uh, pre-order your copy of Vegan Voices. Actually, uh, both Nancy and I have pieces in there. There are 50 authors, and the book is officially being launched on October 10th of 2021. And you can even have an opportunity, if you let Joanne Kong, the editor of the book, know, you can actually go to the launch, the live launch, assuming that, that that's going to be possible, on October 10th of 2021 at Plant City up in Rhode Island, I want to I say. It's in Providence, Rhode Island. Providence, Rhode Island. I think so. Do you know more details about Plant City? No, I don't. It's a very interesting place, and I can't recall exactly. I'm supposed to, Here's the blooper. I got the name the of the town, and I don't think so. I think it's a... a someplace in Providence. Plains. It's in Providence, yeah. Rhode Island, and it's like the first large uh, venue that is like all vegan. It's like everything wow. vegan, and it's incredible, is my understanding. Yeah, I bet um, it is. Our see, daughters. That's, are, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. You know, when you have a place like that, 
where where you you're you're showing people you're showing the light of the road ahead this wonderful amazing place to go and then you know when people know they have that safe place to land they're going to be much more willing to let go absolutely thank you again and again we will follow you far and wide and be sure to share this live stream, which will remain on Vegan Spirituality Southwest PA, the Facebook page, and you'll be able to find it soon on reimaginetickwack.org and all the other places that I mentioned. Have a wonderful, beautiful, amazing morning, afternoon, or evening, no matter where you are in the world. And remember to just gently put your fingers together and stop pounding. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.